0: So today I want to base this story with another story. Who knows who Peter is in the Bible? Peter is known as one of the toughest, one of the most dedicated disciples that Jesus had in his life. And so Peter is known as wanting to be the closest to God. He's always the one that was right there with God. He even told him at one point, hey, God, if you go to war, I'll be right there with you. And he was nonstop sticking next to him. Now, we all know what happened to Peter, right? What happened? Does anybody know off the top of their head what happened to Peter? He died, but what happened? What happened in his time with Jesus? Let's. Uh, we're gonna go to uh, the chapter of Luke, chapter twenty-two. And I'm not gonna read all of it right now because it is, uh, it is a lot. But I'm just gonna give a synopsis of what happens. It is Peter comes to Jesus and he's like Jesus i want to be your greatest disciple i want to be the best disciple that you have if you go through the thick i'll be there with you and then jesus looks at him and i feel like in that moment jesus didn't just look at him personally he looked at him and he saw his whole life and what does jesus do he turns to him and he says peter by the time the 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 rooster crows three times by the time the rooster crows you're going to deny me three times and imagine you tell imagine like my best friend sitting right here i'm like bro i would go through anything with you if if a guy was in here put a bullet to your head i'll take it for you bro like i don't care and then he turns around tells me you know what by the time the rooster crows you're gonna deny me three times now what does it mean to deny because when you deny somebody it means that you're disregarding any knowledge of him anything that you had to do with him. you're denying him so imagine going from being a best friend of somebody to now you're denying them. So as we go through the story, we come to find out that Peter comes to Jesus and he tells him this, and then Jesus is like, hey, by the time the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. Or by the time the rooster crows once, you're going to deny me three times. And that, to me, I would have been shocked, and Peter was shocked, and he's like, no, I won't. Like, I'm going to prove you wrong. But what Jesus did in that moment, he prophesied to him what was fixing to happen later on. And as we know, Jesus later on goes into captivity. He's getting ready to be crucified. And then the, they're throwing a little party and Peter stumbles around. What he was doing there, I'm not sure what he was doing there. But he stumbles into this place. And they're like, hey, hey, that's one of Jesus' disciples. And what does he do? It's like, no, that, that that's not me. What are you talking about? That ain't me. Like, nah, that's number one. And then he wanders out. And he gets out of the place for some reason. He comes back and they're like, hey, there's one of Jesus' disciples. You For sure he knows him. No, I don't. I really don't. I don't even know who he is. I don't even, I, like, I don't know. Separated himself, right? Denied him the second time. Comes the third time. Hey, that's one of Jesus' disciples. What does he do? He even, not only does he, and does he deny him at that point, he curses him. He's like, no. I don't, I don't know who that is, and I don't know what he said. The Bible doesn't know, doesn't say what he said. But he cursed, he cursed Jesus. He said, "I, I don't know who that." Again, I don't know what he said at that moment. And it says that in that moment, guess what happened? The rooster crowed. And when he heard that, imagine like, I imagine his heart going, dropping all the way to the ground, because in that moment he realized, boom, three times I denied Jesus. And the, and, the, and the rooster just crow. Imagine that feeling that Peter went through at that moment. Can you imagine it with me tonight? What Peter felt in that moment? Like, it's okay. We, I can deny Dita right now. She's my sister and we have a bond. And I'm like, she's not my sister. I don't know who she is. I, 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 I would feel pretty bad. She would feel pretty bad. But imagine denying Jesus Christ. The guy who, who, who walked with him. Side by side. And the guy who said, you know what? No matter what happens, I'll be there for you. And now he just denied him three times. But even worse, this is where it gets tougher. Imagine the feeling he has right now. Boom, his heart drops because he just heard the rooster crow. And now he's like, I just denied Jesus three times. Just like he said I would. But now it says he turned his head. And at that perfect time, Jesus Christ looked him straight in the eye. Imagine that. After you deny Jesus Christ three times, you turn and you see them there. And he, at that moment, I imagine he was going through pain and suffering already. And on top of that, he had to bear the suffering of, of Peter denying him three times in his face because he was right there. So imagine that. Imagine, I, w- I want you to imagine the hurt. Imagine the, de- the depression, the anxiety, everything that Peter experienced in that moment. Just imagine it, because it's going to matter a lot to where, where this message is going. Imagine the pain and suffering that he's going through right now at this moment. He just denied Jesus Christ three times in his face after Jesus told him he would. And he's like, no, I won't, bro. I promise you I won't. i would never do that. And then he did it in his face. So imagine the hurt he's going through. And then while we're doing that, I want to go back to 2 Corinthians seven ten, The verse we started out with. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads you to salvation and leaves no regret but worldly sorrow brings death so here in this verse you see two types of sorrows right number 1 godly sorrow say it with me godly sorrow. godly sorrow number 2 worldly sorrow worldly so we see right away it's very clear there's no tricks it says godly sorrow brings repentance That leads you to salvation and leaves no regrets. But worldly sorrow brings what? It brings death, right? So let's talk about the godly sorrow because this is the good sorrow. Godly sorrow is the good sorrow. This is the kind of sorrow that Jesus Christ wants us to have. Now what causes sorrow in our lives? Whenever something goes wrong, whenever we do something wrong, So now we're going to focus about us. Whenever we do something wrong or something wrong goes in our life, something happens to us, we have sorrow. There's two types of sorrows right here, though. You can have the godly sorrow and the worldly sorrow. So let's talk about the godly sorrow. It is a deep concern that comes from our hearts when we sin that makes us chase forgiveness and reconciliation with God. So the example of this, of godly sorrow, is, oh, I just sinned. But not only that I just sinned. You know what? I recognize that I messed up, Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. Forgive me for what I've done. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do that sin again. I'm so sorry. I never wanted to do that in the first place. But look, I fell into temptation. I'm human. I did it. But I want to turn away from it. And what does it say? It turns you to repentance and brings you back to salvation. Right. So let's talk about worldly sorrow. The worldly sorrow brings death because we are human. We are bound to mess up at times. We say something, we do something, and then automatically, boom, sorrow. So where does the worldly sorrow come from? Where do you think the worldly sorrow comes from? The devil, devil, right? Because what happens when you mess up? What happens when you do a sin? What happens when you look at something you shouldn't have? What happens when you say something you shouldn't have or think something you shouldn't have? Or you do something you shouldn't have? What's the first thing that the devil does? Boom. Why'd you do that? You're a Christian. Why'd you do that? Don't what are they gonna think about you in church? What are your parents gonna think about you? Why did you do that sin? Why? Why did you do it? And you're like, What 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 does that cause? No. It's a word that starts with the letter G, and this one of the two words we're gonna start. So whenever you sin, there's two things that, that can come out of sin guilt and shame. And those are the two most favorite weapons that the devil uses against us, guilt and shame. So when we sin, automatically, boom, the first thing that comes is guilt. Because if, if you're, especially if you're a Christian, you know Jesus Christ died for you, and you appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did for you, you're like, man, I just did that. Like, Jesus Christ died for me. Why would he die for me? Look what I just did. I just stole something. I just did something. Why would Jesus do this for me when, I, when I'm over here sinning? Boom, guilt. You feel the guilt in your heart because the devil just just came to you and told you, hey, why'd you do that? You know, why, why'd you do that? Or why did you go drink? Or why did you go party? Why'd you go do drugs? Boom, guilt, automatic. So uh, I'm going to define guilt. It says the state of one who has committed an offense consciously or unconsciously, It's the feeling of of deserving blame. So the way I want to define guilt is I did bad. Whenever you recognize, hey, I did something bad. I don't know what it is, but I I did something bad, okay? Now let's talk about shame because shame is the second part of this. Shame is a painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt. So we see there that guilt, that shame comes with guilt. Guilt is what builds shame up. But the most important thing about or the most dangerous thing about shame is that guilt is I did something bad. Shame turns into I am that bad. I am bad. I am what I did. And that's what that's when that's what the devil uses the most. He uses guilt to produce shame because he knows if he produces shame, all of a sudden, that's our identity. All of a sudden, that's what we that's what we categorize our life with. Even if it's something that we didn't do, right? Because there's people there's people in this world, maybe in this church, that something happened to them when they were younger or something happened to them when they're older, something that they didn't want to happen to them. But now that's a mental block in their head and they feel shameful because of something that happened to them or something they did, right? And that shame, they've been carrying it their whole life, carrying it their whole life, right? And now, now I don't know, I don't want to categorize nobody in here, but maybe somebody in here is sitting in here with some shame on them. Maybe because of something they did in their past or maybe because of a the decision they made or maybe because they might have said something that hurt somebody and now, or somebody says something to them and somebody told them, you can't be nothing in life. You, can't, you, suck. You, you suck at everything you do. And now that shame they carry with them, they're like, hey, that's my identity then. Maybe I can't do nothing in my life. Maybe I do suck. Or maybe that sin I did whenever I was little or maybe what I do every night, Or maybe the mad decisions I made in my life. That's my identity. And that's the trick that the devil makes you think, right? So let's go over it again. Guilt is I did bad. Shame is I am bad. So we see how shame can turn into somebody's identity. And we see, I wrote this down. The devil tempts us and lies to us for us to sin. And it's true because what happens? The devil is tricky. The devil is one of the biggest liars and tricksters that there is out here the devil's gonna tell you hey you want this right here right come get it come get it come on it's gonna help you it's gonna make you feel good why'd you take it you're dumb why did you do that (laughs) don't you know that jesus christ said that you don't need that now you just committed a sin good for you good for you now you're gonna have to carry that the rest of your life because that's your shame now that's how the devil works the devil tempts us to sin And once you sin, boom. Why did you do that? You're dumb. You're stupid. You're going to hell now. Now, you might as well just, you might as well just throw your life in the trash because that's who you are now. Right? Am I right? Is the devil, does the devil do that to y'all or is it just me? Right? Because the devil's a trickster. He's a liar. He tricks you into sinning first place and he tells you everything's going to be okay, bro. Everybody drinks. Everybody smokes weed. Everybody does drugs. Why don't you do it too, bro? Nothing's gonna happen to you. Come on. Just once. Just once, bro. And then you do it and you're like, dang, if I smoke weed, I can't go to church no more. I can't I don't I can't even raise my hands when I'm in church because the first thing I think is, I smoked weed last night. Or I did this last night. I don't know what it is. But when you try to raise your hands, you're like, you put your hands down. That's called shame. That's shame keeping you from being what you were meant to be, right? And to finish that, it says the devil wants to use your guilt to turn it into shame and shame is dangerous because you can be, it can become your identity the devil can drown you in shame the devil can drown you in shame what how many people do we see on a daily basis or not even see but it's a statistic how many people kill themselves every single day because they can't deal with the shame of what they've produced in their life how many people kill themselves it's a lot it's sad like it really is sad to hear How many people kill themselves on a daily basis because they can't deal with the shame that they have on their lives? Because they can't deal with what happened to them when they were little. Maybe they got sexually assaulted by somebody they trusted. And now they carry that shame and they can't deal with it, So they kill themselves at a young age. Or maybe they made a bad decision that's led them to carry that shame throughout their whole life. And now they're carrying that shame in them. Right? And it's sad. It really is. But now let's talk about the good news because... God, the godly guilt, God uses it for good. There's a go- thing called godly guilt. It's called our conscience. Our conscience tells us when we do something wrong. When we sin against God, the first thing that should pop in our head if we have a healthy conscience is, Hey, you did something bad. No, nah, bro, don't do that. You, you don't need to do that again. Let's go ahead and repent and let's turn away from that because that's not going to lead you to anything good in your life. That's godly guilt. That's healthy guilt that's the guilt that God wants you to have right and what's the good thing about this guilt is that it brings us back to God's grace it brings us back to God's forgiveness because whenever we sin God comes and he shows us that guilt because sin produces guilt so God's like hey you just sinned against me like that what you did wasn't right and you're like you know what God yeah you're right let me come back into your grace where I can find my forgiveness let me come back to your grace where i can find salvation that's the kind of guilt that god wants us to have and so coming back to peter how peter lived in his life how do you think he responded to that night where he denied jesus three times how do you think he responded because if you think about it peter went on to do great things with his life but why why did why was he able to do that even though he denied jesus three times like if it was me like thinking about it like If I deny Jesus three times, Jesus probably, nah, he, I don't think there's a way for him to forgive me because of what I did. I mean, imagine denying Jesus Christ three times to his face. Imagine Jesus Christ being here right now and you come up to him like, I don't need you. I don't know you. Get out of my life. I don't even know who you are. Imagine that. And then imagine what Jesus Christ did in that moment. Whenever he felt broken, whenever he felt that pain and that heaviness of what he did. I mean, it's pretty bad what he did, correct? I mean, who, who could say I would feel nothing if I denied Jesus three times? Like, whatever. No, it is, it's a heavy thing, and Peter had to go through that. But not only did that produce guilt in him, because if you read the story, it says he wept for several days. He wept and wept and wept. But what happened when he was done weeping? He understood that because of God's grace, he, re- he returned to God's grace. He received that forgiveness. And not only did he use that to turn on fire for God, and he was able to, and if you think about it, whenever Jesus Christ resurrects and he comes back to earth and he comes out of the tomb and he meets up with Peter, what did he tell Peter? He said, Peter, go to the world and preach to them about my forgiveness. How amazing is that? Because God could have said, hey, John, go preach about him. Go preach about my forgiveness. And maybe John didn't go through that situation in his life to where he can personally preach about forgiveness. But who did he choose out of all his disciples to go preach about forgiveness? The one who experienced forgiveness, right? Imagine denying Jesus Christ three times. And Jesus Christ said, around, I forgive you. Now I want you to go preach about forgiveness. Imagine the sermons he preached about forgiveness. Saying, hey, I denied Jesus Christ three times, and he was good enough to forgive me. He'll forgive you too for the little small stuff you've done. And it was powerful. He, he, left a, he led a lot of people to Jesus Christ. So now let's talk about another one of his disciples. His name was Judas. We all know, we all know Judas as the one who betrayed Jesus, right? And how many times did he betray Jesus? Once. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Judas did it once. But let's see what the difference was between Judas. It says Judas, he denied Jesus and he betrayed him for a bag of silver, right? And then what happened to him? Same thing that happened to Peter. That guilt came into his heart and started eating at him. Started eating at him. Like, dang, you're one of Jesus' disciples and now you're over here betraying him, denying him. You know what? Shame. Boom, in that moment, shame. You're never going to get past this. Nobody's ever going to accept you. You're going to be known as the one who betrayed Jesus and 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 what happened to what happens to Judas? Does anybody know what happened to Judas? He killed himself. He went and hung himself from a tree. Why? Because he couldn't deal with the shame. And th- here you can see the two differences between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Peter did the godly sorrow. He used that guilt to drive him to want to be better for Jesus. To want to receive his forgiveness. To want to receive his grace. And what happens? God uses. it. Judas couldn't do that. He just saw what was happening. He saw that nobody was going to like him no more. That he wasn't going to be accepted. He probably would not never be able to set a foot in the temple anymore. So what did he do? He drowned himself in shame. Mm-hmm. And he hung himself. He killed himself. That's what the devil wants. Honestly, that's what the devil wants with every single one of your life. He wants to kill you. He wants to kill each and one of you who is here tonight, and it's true. The devil wants to kill all of us because he knows that God has a plan for you. He knows that God has a plan for everyone who's sitting in here tonight. And that's how I want to end up this sermon, is the devil will always bring up your past to shame you out of your future. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, and a lot of people stay right there, well, Jesus Christ died on, and a lot of Christians live a life of defeat, because Jesus Christ died on the cross and that's it for them they don't they're not faithful to go past that but glory to God that we know and I believe in faith that Jesus Christ died on the cross but not only that he rose again after the third day he rose and he came out of the grave and he conquered the grave and because of that we are now victorious Christians because of that we have power over sin because of that Now we can lift our hands in victory and we can say, Jesus Christ, my power is in you, right? Just think about this. Why does the devil bring you shame in the moments you're trying to raise your hands, in the moments where you're trying to praise God, in the moments when you're trying to pray? Why? Why does the devil do it then and not when you're out in the world doing something else? Why? Tell me why. Why do you think so? Because the devil knows that whenever you're in Jesus, whenever you're in God's plan, that's the most dangerous time for him. Because he knows if he can distract you while you're in church, maybe you won't get the word, maybe you won't get the testimony that God is planning for you. He knows that if he can distract you while you're praising, maybe you're not going to reach the full potential of your life. Maybe you're not going to reach with a plan that God has for you, right? And what I wrote down here, I think is amazing. It says, the devil will always shame you to keep you away from your future because the devil is well aware and knows who you will be i try to influence myself a lot with this is i know jesus christ has a light has a plan in my life but guess what i know the devil does too and if you think about it and you declare it in your life the devil is scared of what you're going to become the devil is scared because he knows if you get that faith in your life to be able to live for christ You're going to be dangerous to him. You're going to start bringing lives to Jesus Christ. You're going to start doing things that the devil doesn't like. So what is the devil going to do? He's going to try to shame you out of doing those things. He's going to try to tell you, hey, that that sin you did, God never forgive you. Don't even come up here and try to talk about Jesus, because the moment you do, they're going to know you did something wrong. But who believes that Jesus Christ died for our sin? But not only that, he died for our shame and guilt. Amen. He did. He did. And I don't know who it is here tonight. I don't know why God put this message in my heart, but I believe there's some people in here tonight that are dragon sin, that are dragon guilt, that are dragon sins that they did a long time ago, but they're for some reason you're carrying that into the new day, into the new day, into the new day. I wanted to do an illustration, but I thought it would be a little bit too, a little bit too uh, dangerous to do. I was going to bring some, (laughs) I was going to bring some thumbtacks and have somebody stand up here and squeeze it, right, man, kind of sounds dangerous to me, but I don't know if somebody maybe Wadlow would have done it, (laughs) but just think about that, because I could have somebody up here and give you some thumbtacks in your hand, and I say, hey, squeeze it, would you squeeze it, I wouldn't, that hurt, but why do we squeeze onto our shame and guilt, why, it's doing damage to you, it's hurting you, it won't let you grab what Jesus Christ wants you to grab, God is extending his hand saying, hey, here's my blessing, here's the plan I have for your life, and you're too busy squeezing your shame and guilt, and not allowing yourself to grab those blessings and those plans that Jesus Christ has in your life, and I want to end with uh, Philippians 1, chapter 6, or verse 6, It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who believes that? Who believes that Jesus Christ has begun something in your life? And who believes that Jesus Christ will finish that same work in your life until he comes back? So, uh, I just want everybody to close your eyes tonight. I don't know who it is here tonight. I don't know if you came here tonight carrying something that is hurting you tonight. Something, maybe a sin that you committed when you were younger. Maybe something that happened to you when you were younger. Maybe something's been bothering you for a while now, and you just can't seem to release that. You can't seem to open up your hands and let that guilt and that shame go. I don't know who it is here tonight, but I just want to pray over everybody tonight. If you can just stand up, if everybody can just stand up for me. And if anybody wants to come up here and have a moment with God, feel free. We're just going to pray for about five to ten minutes. And we're just going to pray for freedom because God is the God of freedom, right? God is the God tonight that he wants to free everybody here tonight. And if you're carrying guilt, if you're carrying shame, if you're carrying your sin with you and you're sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of wanting to do something for God. But then I remember about what I did the other night. I don't want to be like that no more. I just want to be free for God. I just want to be able to do what God wants me to do. If that's you tonight, I just want to pray, and I just want um, I just want you to accept the, the uh, forgiveness that God has for you. But not only that, don't leave it at that. Remember what the title of the, of the whole sermon was? Forgive yourself. Let it go. Forgive yourself and let it go. Let go of your shame. Let go of the guilt. Let go of your mistakes. It is not who you are. It's not. You're a child of God, and you're a victorious child of God. So stop letting it define you. Let's just pray tonight. Jesus Christ, thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done tonight, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this message. Lord, you know why you had me teach this tonight, Father. And I just ask that in this moment, this time, Lord, you just take control over this place tonight, Father, that any distractions can be withheld from it. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit can come upon us, Father, and that you can take over our bodies, Lord, over our minds, over our hearts, Lord. Father, search us, Lord. Show us, Lord, what it is that's keeping us from serving you. Show us what it is that's keeping us from being the child of God that you want us to be, Father. Lord, you know exactly what it is, Lord, but help us realize it, Lord, because one thing is accepting your your forgiveness, Father, but help us now to be able to forgive ourselves. To let go of our shame, to let go of our guilt, to let go of our sins that are keeping us from your presence, Father. Lord, we come to you tonight, Father, asking you for forgiveness, asking you for freedom, Father. Lord, I ask that you can bring our hearts to the right place, Father, that you can bring our mind to the right place. Lord, that any shame or guilt that we've been holding on to, that's been damaging our lives, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray And we believe, Lord, that in this moment, you will take them away, Father. And that we can drop them off, Father, at the cross, Lord, where you defeated the devil, where you defeated shame, where you defeated guilt. Father, thank you so much because you are a victorious God, because you are the God of victory, Father. You are the God that has defeated all evil, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, because through that victory, Father, we can live a victorious life as well. Father, I pray for all my brothers and sisters tonight, Lord. That you can help us in this week father help us to live a guilt-free a shame-free life father that anything that tries to attach to us that tries to slow us down for living for you lord i ask that you can take it out of our lives lord but i'm not only that father that we can let it go that we can say lord i let it go i let it go i let it go i don't want it i don't want this shame father help us to declare this in our lives father do your work in our lives father every day that we wake up lord that we can strive to be better for you lord and father i just thank you for this night lord thank you for everybody who's here tonight father and i just want to ask i just want to while we're wearing the moment if there's anybody tonight who doesn't have jesus christ in their heart if you want to receive jesus christ in, in your life tonight if the spirit is speaking to you and telling you hey this is your opportunity to accept jesus christ if you just want to raise your hand come up here It doesn't matter what, but if you just want to receive Jesus Christ, I don't know if there's anybody tonight. I just want to open up the opportunity. And while everybody else still prays, if you you just want to sing a song for it.
1: to me now. You have all my attention. I will linger and listen. I can't miss a thing. Cause Lord, I know my heart wants more of you. My heart wants something new. So I surrender
0: everybody's feeling that guilt or shame tonight, I just want to invite you to come up here and let's just have a moment of prayer, have a moment where we can leave it all to the feet of God. And if you want to live a victorious life and you feel like something's holding you back from doing it, I just want to open this opportunity to come to the altar and tell Jesus Christ, here's my shame, here's my guilt, here's my sin, here it is, take it, I don't want it. It's just a step of faith for us to do that. And I just want to open that opportunity if you feel like you're going through something tonight and you can't shake it, if you feel like you've been going through depression, anxiety, fear, anything that you think or you feel is keeping you away from serving Jesus Christ tonight, I just want to open the opportunity for you to come up here and just leave it at the feet of Christ.
1: The fire and the, moon, the, cool and the evening the breath in my soul, the life in my bones, there is no hesitation, your love and affection is the sweetest of all, it's what I Yeah.